introducing Mr. Kawada himself, my dad. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, this is Quantum of History. I am your host, Donnie Waldron. Welcome into another episode. Today's episode is the fighting styles of James Bond. Today's episode was researched really all by Alex Lamas. He wrote the episode a while ago, so I'm not going to really do much to an intro. We're going to go through... Uh, just more of a conversation about the fighting styles, the movies. This is really fun because we're not just doing the fighting styles. We're doing very heavy about it. Uh, but we talk about the movies quite a bit too. So it's exciting. It's just a fun um, a fun hour of your time. Put on the background and, and enjoy listening to us talk about the fighting styles. I think you're going to get some cool trivia stuff, some cool things about the films, the fighting, and a good discussion about the evolution from Connery's more Hollywood fighting all the way to the much more refined, much more choreographed Daniel Craig's fighting styles. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. This is the fighting styles of James Bond with Alex Lamas. All right, I want to welcome my good friend Alex. This is the third time I think you've been on, third or fourth. I don't know. I'm yeah. just gonna, you're you're catching up to uh, Fleming Never Dies here. Thomas Felix Creighton here. Now, now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, welcome yeah, in. I'm excited we- to have you. Excited to have you for this episode. Uh, this is going to be the fighting styles of James Bond and, and kind of what we see because you you know you see the fight scenes and they become such an integral part of what the Bond movies are, but you don't really appreciate where they all come from in the history of them. And Alex, you want to introduce yourself and see, tell me how you got introduced to fighting and how you understand the, the history of the fighting? First of all, thank you so much, Donnie, for having me on yet again. And uh, I'm so appreciative of you having this uh forum and allowing me to come on a third time. This time, I'm actually going to be able to talk about something that I know a little something about. So (laughs) I have some (laughs) qualifications for. So yeah, uh, I've been uh, a teacher of the Fujiao Pai Tiger, uh, Fujiao Pai Kung Fu uh, system. It translates into Tiger Claw system or Tiger Claw Clan. And basically, Tiger Claw Kung Fu the principles are grabbing, tearing, and ripping a guy apart with your bare hands. So it's the way I like to describe uh, Fu Jiao is it's basically dirty Chinatown street fighting. It doesn't <laughs> look pretty when you're performing it, but it, it gets the job done. Well, fights uh, are not pretty. Fights, I mean, no. we look at the movies and we think that fights are pretty, but when you're in a fight, it's ugly. It's not at all like it looks. Even in UFC, those trained fighters, and, and you look what it, it's so different from a street fight. So, any anything that is an ugly style of fighting is usually an effective style of fighting. Yeah, they're usually brutal, nasty, and short. <laughs> <laughs> Real fights. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just to to say thing something about kung fu and the thing about kung fu is kung fu uh, is not one thing. It's almost 400 different styles. In my terms, it's Tiger Claw, but you also have, which is Fujiao, you have Hunga, Wing Chun, Crane Style, Eagle Style, Dragon, Monkey, Praying Mantis. You know, you have that five animal style. You have Shaolin Kung Fu. You, it's also broken up into Northern styles, which are usually big, 
movements, high kicks, because they have a lot of room in the north, or southern styles, which are very close quarter uh, fighting styles, which are meant for city streets and small alleys. Um, so for me, when I was a kid, you know, I used to get bullied as a kid, especially in middle school. So my mom enrolled me in Taekwondo. And what happened was that when a kid attacked me and I gave him kind of a spinning back kick that pretty much ended the bullying. I think they realized, oh shit, he knows something now. Yeah. <laughs> a little showmanship too. A spinning back kick makes a statement when you land it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really hurt the kid, but he backed off. Yeah. Um, after that, I went into, oddly, I went into fencing, um, then briefly judo. And then in college, I took Shotokan karate. And I was also on the SUNY Purchase saber team, fencing team, which was interesting because later when I picked up Kung Fu, I found that the principles of fencing were closer to Kung Fu than karate was. Really? So, yeah, I, it had something to do with the attack and defense, and your hands are always out. Um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was an easy transition from fencing to kung fu, then karate to kung fu. It sounds like you have uh, a lot of uh, know, Ian Fleming in you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess you could say that. Yeah. I mean, since I was a kid, for whatever reason, I always wanted – Chinese Kung Fu, though, even when I was in the Taekwondo classes, I was like, I really want Chinese Kung Fu, probably influenced by the 1970s TV show Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. I remember their Shaolin temple scenes and, you know, the, the mystery and the power of the Shaolin temple must have kind of planted something in my brain. Yeah, I mean, you, so can, you can see the, the influence of Hollywood in the 70s when, and even it certainly affected Bond, too, because you look at pre- kung fu wave in bond the fighting styles are completely different so you know ian fleming had had training himself too right i mean what what, what did ian fleming did you have him as he was in karate too or yeah he took up a system a karate system actually it was a, a um yeah okinawan system called weichiru which uh came which started in the most Karates come from the 1890s when they learned, uh, samurai, you know, samurais and uh, not samurais. Uh, Japanese soldiers went to southern China, and they learned a system called White Crane and other systems, and they took that system back to places like Okinawa, where they, they developed it into uh, eventually what became karate. Uh, Ian Fleming somehow found his way to uh, a teacher of Weichiru in the 1950s. And he was learning that system as well. So he, he knew when you read Goldfinger, he puts some, some uh, karate and martial art principles in, the, in Goldfinger. When I was reading it, I was like, oh, my God, this guy knows something. How did yeah. he get it so right? Yeah, it's you know, funny when you read uh, it, when you read the books and you and whether it's the fighting styles or what these other things, it's so amazing that he knew these these things because how did you find this information before? Now we just grab our phones out and find whatever information we want to find so easily. But in the 1950s, he had to explore it and seek it out and find these things because you know he talks about my hometown. And he talks with such detail about my hometown. Like, were you ever there? It's crazy. Or these other things that he talks about about. 
um, the dynamics of being in the enforcement or and all these things. It's it's interesting to see how Fleming writes, and he writes from a perspective where you, when you read his writing, you're like, okay, well, this guy knows what he's talking about. And as you, who's studied karate and in martial arts, when you read the way that he writes or the things that he says, you're like, all right, well, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. It's always so impressive. Yeah, yeah. In 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 Gold in Goldfinger, like I was reading. Um, he in I think chapter five of Goldfinger, it mentions Bond writing a manual of un- unarmed combat, and that he's like collecting all, all these different martial arts that he's picked up and seen all yeah. all over the world. So he wants to write a service manual of uh, techniques for the secret intelligence. One of the things he writes about uh, was about wrist, you know, what, what the wrist come-alongs, arm locks, forearm locks, head holds, neck pressure points, and things like that that he wants to put into the book. So simple, uh, simple things for for somebody to just hold on to somebody, but they're effective. You know, those pressure points you know, yeah. be, behind the behind the ear pressure points. Those those can hurt when you get that jawline pressure point to try to hold somebody. Wrist locks. You know, we goose gooseneck holds. Do you guys have those too? You- yeah, we had we had we definitely had some of that. A lot of those things come from a Chinese system called China, which was where eventually, um, you know, things like. Uh, uh, you know the Japanese systems, where they use a lot of wrist locks, like come from. So you know most, mo- you know most Asian martial arts, uh, you know, come from some form of a Chinese martial art. So China was the one with all the wrist locks and arm holds and pressure points and things like that, forearm locks, and mm-hmm. so that's where it came from. But it, but to to know that. Fleming knew about it in the 1950s to me was shocking because it's not, you know, it's, Asian martial arts wasn't that well known until much later. And you know, I think too, in, in, during the time of the 50s, there was so much anti-Asian sentiment. You know, I think that it's interesting that even with the tide of, I know in, in the U.S. it was certainly, but I'm sure it was worldwide, the, the anti-Japan sentiment um to actually seek it out and then to revere it and to write about it in a positive manner. It was, um, you know, for the fifties, it's, it's a, it's something tells you something about Ian Fleming, even though he does have a very Anglo Anglo centric way of viewing it. Um, he definitely does have respect for the, uh, for the culture. Yeah. And, and even though, you know, one could make an argument in Goldfinger, the novel Goldfinger, that there was, a lot of Asian stereotypes, especially when it comes to odd job. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of respect for what odd job could do, you know. And he he puts in the book um, having odd job almost having superhuman powers in the way he could, you know, smash furniture and mm-hmm. you know destroys the arm railing of a of Goldfinger's house. Absolutely, <laughs> I know it's such a good. So, so we go on, and, and so certainly Fleming just sprinkled in. You only live twice. There's a lot of points where Fleming sprinkles in, but let's get into the movies where we actually get to see and not just read about, right? So we'll go through each actor and see what see what their fighting style or how they kind of 
what their strengths of, of their fighting scenes were. Let's start with Sean Connery. To me, Sean Connery seems very the, his Hollywood fighting. It looks very street, but more refined, more movie theatrics, more of the time of um, hyperbolic actions and stuff like that. How do you see the fighting styles, or how do you see it when you watch a Connery's the Connery movies? Well, you know, you have to go to see who their stunt doubles, the stunt coordinators was Bob Simmons, who's famously the the original gun barrel bond, um, Peter Perkins. And they set up a lot of the fighting scenes. Uh, Bob Simmons was, uh, you know, a, a physical training instructor in the Royal Military Academy. He was, you know, a military guy at first, so he probably used a lot of that knowledge from from the military but then you also have to understand they're they're also playing for the camera Mm -hmm. so they're using the hollywood haymakers big movements large you know punches they pull back the punch really far and then they come and a lot of grabbing of arms if you remember uh also in the movie goldfinger grabbing a leg um probably the best fighting scene connery had no doubt has to be with uh, Red Grant in the train. In yeah, I agree. That that's I love that scene. I love it. Yeah. I love the way it's shot. I love the way it's fights. So, so many of the things when you see fighting scenes seem dated, but that scene to me yeah. does not seem dated. I know it, it is, but I don't have the same feeling that I get when I get so, watch some of the older movies or especially some of the Roger movies with those fight scenes yeah. that are just dated. But that one. Of, of all the scenes from the older movies, that one that one still hits home for me. From Russia with Love. From Definitely. Russia. Probably the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the sheer brutality of it, too. Yeah. I mean, Connery was a bodybuilder beforehand, so he could handle himself. He was an athlete, and you can kind of tell, you know, his his toxic masculinity. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, it, it's just, it was, I love, I, till to this day, I, you know, I find myself, and I have another episode coming up here in, in a little while about No Time to Die and my sentiments about it and just the feel of everything. And I go back to the Conneries and I, and I feel that those are the ones I still rewatch the most. And just that whole feel, the way he handles himself, the way he fights, the way he does everything. To me, you know, prime bond. But mm. we'll go on to Lazenby. How, how, what do you think about Lazenby's fight? So he gets one and done, but he actually gets a lot of chance to fight, especially in the open scene. He fights a lot. Well, uh, Lazenby, you know, you had some of the same guys, you know, carrying over from the Connery days. Uh, there was also George Leach, who later becomes a huge, super influential uh, stuntman, stunt coordinator uh, in, in so many films. Um, but again, we're, we're, we're still, you know, dealing with Hollywood haymakers and big moves and things like that. The thing about George Lazenby, because he wasn't a trained stuntman, and he probably, being Australian, was a good bar fighter. <laughs> <laughs> and drank a lot, right? <clears throat> Boy! <laughs> yeah, he knew how to handle himself. He, yeah. knew, he knew what he was doing. What was interesting, more interesting to me about on Her Majesty's Secret Service wasn't so much George Lazenby, but Diana Rigg. Ooh. Now, Diana Rigg, yeah. And she she has a few moves, if you remember, in the end, when she's fighting off some of uh, Blofeld's, some of Spectre guys, yeah. some of the Spectre henchmen. Diana Rigg is in the Guinness Book of World's Record. And this is, an, this is a 
bizarre and amazing fact. As the first Westerner person to perform Chinese Kung Fu on screen ever, one, one year before Bruce Lee. Wow. When she was on the Avengers, she was trained by a guy named Chi Su, who was a Chinese uh, Kung Fu martial artist who was hired from Hong Kong by the Avengers uh, stunt, stunt coordinator to bring something different into uh, a fighting style. Now, here's another weird fact. Her predecessor, um, what's her name? She played uh, Pussy Galore. Uh, Honor Blackman. I can't remember. Honor Blackman. Also a black belt in judo from training for the Avengers when she was on the Avengers. She even wrote a book of women's self-defense on her blackman. That's how I mean, she does it in Goldfinger. You can see that hip toss she does on Bond. And it's yeah. her, her. Oh, that's all her. Yeah. I mean, you could tell that she knows exactly what she's doing with that hip toss, the way she puts the leg out, bases out and uses his own momentum to flip it over. Just a yeah. textbook hip toss. Yeah. So when Diana Rigg got hired for Honor Majesty's Secret Service, she brought some of her uh, stunt coordinators with her to do a little bit. Of, and what you see is kind of some of her leftover Kung Fu from the Avenger, her Avengers days. So that's just, just a little weird, interesting tidbit in there. No, it's very cool. It is very cool to see how it changes out. And there was, I think, it was interesting to see some of the other fights. Lazen Beast definitely still has the... Especially in the in the hotel room fight with the with the henchmen that come in, the fight is very much over the top. You can his his oh, yeah. his finishing is almost like a Superman punch comes up, but you yeah. know it looks good. I think Peter hey, Hunt's editing saves a lot of that. I think Peter Hunt's kind yeah. of edits and makes quick edits and stuff like that. Almost almost Quantum of Solace before Quantum of Solace is Quantum of Solace, yeah. uh, with how those fast edits go. I mean, it's fun, but it's it's still you know it's still the Hollywood stuff. I just find it interesting that the first real martial art you see in a Bond film is not from Bond, but from Tracy, from Diana Rigg, and and uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, I mean, something had to save that movie because what a snooze fest that movie is. Really, I, I, <laughs> one place where I part when you do. <laughs> I love. I just, I know. I, I look. I've been, I've been fighting this since the, the day I opened this podcast. I've been fighting. I don't, I don't understand the hype, but uh, I agree with you about uh, uh, Sean Connery, ten thousand percent. He is by far my favorite James Bond. But I love Honor, Majesty, Secret Service. Uh, I just think, as a movie buff, as a guy who went to film school, as a filmmaker, to me, that is a near perfect. movie. Yeah, I always, I always say I love the editing, I love the style, I love the story. I just everything else that you're supposed to like. I don't like the henchman, I don't like Bond, and uh, yeah. you know those are the things I'm supposed to like the most. The villain I'm supposed he's to like. The, he's actually grown on me over the years. I did not like him at first, but the more I watched him and the more I saw contained as its own cell, as its own little universe. To me, he did a very good job for what was required for that story. It didn't require a Connery Bond who was smooth and cold calculating. It required somebody a little more sensitive because he had to fall in love and get married. So <laughs> Gross. <laughs> what a waste that is. <laughs> part of the story. Part of the story. <laughs> Anyways. So for, for what it was, I thought it was, I thought it was excellent. However, yes. 
digress. Harry's Bond. Yes. <laughs> so now, we, no, no. I, I think this is the last. I, I don't think that Roger Moore ever. We're moving on to Roger Moore. I don't think that he ever. I never see a, a fight scene where you're like, oh, Roger Moore is, is starting to get modern. All of his feel very, even worse than Connery and um, Lazenby. I feel that like his fight scenes are dated and they're very, they're so not even close to the realm of quality that comes with later films that it's very hard to even just take those with a shred of any, any kind of uh, uh, legitimacy. Well, you're dealing with two things here. First, Henry, um, Roger Moore is older than James Bond. Yeah. So he was never really, you know, maybe in his youth he was in pretty good shape, but he wasn't a person that really kept it up. <laughs> when he was, in, now here's the thing, I watched the entire series, or I rewatched. I used to love it as a kid, The Saint. Yeah. And I rewatched it this year uh, again, the whole thing from beginning to end. And he has every every episode. He had a brutal, heavy fight scene where he's throwing himself around and he's being thrown around, and you, you see him doing a lot of the work, a lot of the action. So when he was doing the same, he was really throwing kicks and punches. By the time he got to uh, Bond, I just think he was just too old to really sell it mm -hmm. convincingly. And yeah, he, he a lot of stuntmen. Yeah. Did you did you see any stylistic that you see with you look at the man with the golden gun right? and that's that's kind of when kung right. fu comes up to his height right his precipice yeah. in the seventies and look, right. go go through all the awkwardness that you see as a as a martial arts fan of the man with the golden gun. All right, so let's talk about yeah we have to talk about the man with the golden gun because it's like the elephant in the room kind of thing when it comes to martial arts. And James Bond. Um, first of all, it's bizarre. It's really weird because he's supposed to be in Thailand. He's in a karate school. The teacher, the, the, the master is... How do you know it's karate, by the way? Is, is there anything that you see that automatically tells you it's karate? Yes. Their styles of punching and kicking. They're wearing essentially karate keys, mm -hmm. although they're in different colors. Why, I don't know. I guess that was just a art direction um not you know they're not white they're they're like you know pastels and you know yellows or weird colors would, would you ever see those would you ever see those colors in any in any yeah. other in any other realm or what what is is or is that literally just a hollywood thing that was a hollywood thing that just doesn't exist okay um no that was and what's weird was that the teacher was chinese i mean he's dressed in chinese robe with a chinese hat he's clearly chinese now, how, how do you, again, I'm, I'm, I find the details of this interesting, how you can see this and, and know those things. So how, when you look at him, can you tell he's Chinese? Just, just the fact. He's close. He's close. So what, what, close, what, yeah. what, what differentiates it? Well, he's wearing like a, a, a Qing dynasty uh, kind of Chinese beanie. The robes he was wearing is, are, are definitely Chinese. You know, if you watch, well, okay. I, being in Kung Fu, having married, uh, you know, a, a Chinese wife, having a, a Chinese teacher for 25 years, and even before that, I was always in Chinatown and, and, and immersed myself in Chinese culture. You know, you pick up things, you know, you, and then seeing, you know, since I was a little kid, I was watching Kung Fu movies, 
Chinese kung fu movies. And so you know the costumes, you know the, the clothing, you know you get to be fam very familiar with the culture and a lot of the aspects of the culture. And when I was watching, even years ago, you know, when I was a kid, I was watching um, that film, seeing this scene where you have a karate school, and I knew karate at that time, being led by a Chinese master, very strange. Then they start off, here's what's even weirder. They do have Thai, Thai martial arts in it. At the beginning, you see these kids that come out with the swords, and they're doing what's essentially is a system called Kali or Screma. There's a lot of different names for it. But it's Indonesian, you know, it's, it's Southeast Asian martial arts. And Thailand's really famous for the knife fights too, right? They do they do a lot of martial arts involving a knife fight. Yeah, yeah. And that comes in later when we get to that when we get to uh, Daniel Craig. But um, you, but in this film, you see two ki two kids come out in Thai clothing with Thai swords, and they're doing essentially Kali, and they're, they're a, a Kali demonstration, completely germane to the setting. And then they go to this crazy karate school, which again, I don't, I don't understand. And then you have the two girls who are actually, were, were used in Chinese Kung Fu martial arts. They, they were plucked from the, the Hong Kong Kung Fu movie system, the two girls that were in the movie. And so they got brought back again, right? Later in, yeah. were they in Kung Fu Hustle or something? Uh, one of them was the. If, if, if the listeners ever saw Kung Fu Hustle, there's a very famous uh, character. She's a woman with curlers in her hair and a cigarette cigarette dangling out of her mouth, like playing like a uh, sort of a, like an, an old an old maid uh, landlord. She's the young. She's one of the young girls in. Um, in that film, gotta love a good, gotta, <laughs> gotta love a good trivia fact. And she, you know, and both of the girls were, were, and especially that one, were in the Hong Kong Kung Fu movie studios, yeah. and they were doing Kung Fu films. So that whole scene, so, to, so that whole scene, you're just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it was just a big, big salad bowl, you know, a mishmash or chop suey of, uh, of China, of Asian so, martial arts. So when you see <laughs> Sergeant Pepper come in, what kind of martial art do you think Sergeant Pepper is practicing? Sergeant Pepper, so, J.W. Pepper, you don't oh. know. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I, I can't even get into that. Secret agent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's Whatever one of those it has, barbecue sauce. <laughs> I yeah, you know, I I have I have. I begrudgingly admitted this before, but the man with the golden gun is one, is like a guilty pleasure for me. I some for, for some reason I like it, but that scene I can't justify it. I can't explain it. I I, do, I understand how ridiculous it is. The whole entire movie's ridiculous, but for some yeah. reason maybe it's the locations. Um, I actually like Roger Moore portrayal as Bond in that a lot too. So uh, I give it a pass. But yes, I I see that scene and. And I think it's ridiculous, and I, I'm by no means um, well-versed in Asian martial arts, but it's interesting to hear your perspective that ha that has seen it or knows what it is, and you can see pick out all the things that are wrong with it. It's like when I watch uh, oh, yeah. when I watch Hollywood um, actors clear houses with handguns when they try to be police, and there's all the things that I can't stand watching and all the things they do wrong. It's like drives me insane. 
but procedurals you're watching like police procedurals and you're just picking it apart yeah exactly so we'll go on to Pierce Brosnan, who I don't think we have to touch more on, on Roger Moore. I think Roger Moore, that's probably the man with the golden gun. And after that, it's just all stunt doubles. And you never really see yeah. you never really see him do anything of, of substance again. So yeah. we get into Pierce Brosnan. And let's, Brosnan brought a little more veracity to it. And he certainly could handle himself. He was much... Uh, more athletic, younger than Roger Moore. But what do you see when you see his fight scenes? Was there anything that stuck out for you? Honestly, the first one, Goldeneye, the last scene when he fights Alec Trevelyan mm-hmm. in the um, in the in the radar station, you know, the uh, the, the Goldeneye radar station in Cuba. They have this just brilliant, brutal hand-to-hand fight scene that goes on and on. That was fantastic. Wonderfully choreographed. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing martial artsy about it that much. It was still a lot of, you know, very good Hollywood fight court coordinating, but um, a great scene. Yeah. You know, I, I, in terms of martial art, you know, where is that? You see that, from, again, not from Bond, but from Wei Lin, Michelle Yeoh, where she brings her, her, her stunt team from Hong Kong. So she was very well known and, before she came here. She was like a, a a bona fide movie star in China before she came to Bond, right? I had a massive crush on her five years before she even started James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I started watching her in a film called Wing Chun, and then um, Super Cop with Jackie Chan, and you know, and then several others, and then uh, Tai Chi Master with with Jet Li, and I'm just, you know completely enamored with her and then she becomes a bond girl and i was like oh my god (laughs) this is the greatest bond film ever and yes for me to this day you know tomorrow never dies is still my favorite bond film (laughs) still number one right michelle yo michelle yo michelle yo (laughs) (laughs) and that's and she gets to do her thing in in that in her in her uh, in her in her little headquarters when she gets attacked and you know that's again it's all her she's doing all these crazy all this crazy shit they did not want her to do that they begged her not to she's like are you kidding they, they said okay if I bring in Jackie Chan's stunt guys would you let me do it and they were like, like begrudgingly they did yeah. and that's the, and that's who you see a lot of. that's where that, a lot of that fighting comes from. Mm-hmm. But you know, there you go. There's there's the martial arts in in the Pierce Brosnan films. Mm-hmm. Really, all Michelle Yeoh. Again, some good fight scenes. Uh, even this, um, even the even the Zenya the Zenya Bond fight was kind of fun with the little tosses and stuff. In the in the in the steam and ba- the in the in the uh, Turkish bath. Yeah, you know, a little bit, yeah, well, a little bit of tosses yeah, and that, stuff. That was great for another reason. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> I don't know if that had a lot to do with the actual fighting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I enjoyed the scene, Alex. Uh, I, this is a judgment-free zone here, buddy. <laughs> so now we get into the more modern stuff, and I and you, there's a very much a huge leap forward when we get to the Daniel Craig scenes, right? So we get into well, Daniel Craig moves on and giant leap forward, right? Yeah, because you bring in a guy named Darren Levine who is one of the founders of Krav Maga. And if you, Krav Maga is basically the self-defense system for the Israeli 
military. And that incorporates a lot of different martial arts that they put into it, that they, they grabbed from everywhere they could, putting, distilling it kind of like a Jeep, like what Bruce Lee did with Jeep and Do. Grab all the things that work, all the things that are the most useful, get rid of what's not useful and put it together in essentially what is going to be a very practical, brutal, but effective fighting system of Krav Maga. And then, and that was done by uh, this guy, Darren Levine, who also trained Daniel Craig to do a lot of the moves. And for Daniel, you know, and for what Daniel Craig's uh, uh, bond was supposed to be, it makes a thousand percent sense. Uh, and then you really see it come into play at the beginning of Casino Royale on the crane fight when they're on top of the crane and they're doing hand-to-hand combat with um, Sebastian Foucan, who's the, you know, also the founder, another founder of parkour. Mm-hmm. So they bring in the, the founder, uh, one, of, one of the founders of Krav Maga, they bring the founder of parkour. You put that together and that's why the opening scene of Casino Royale is just brilliant. Yeah, I think most people say that of the functionality of Krav Maga, if you're going to be close quarters, urban combat, I feel like that Krav Maga always gets the best reputation as the most functional or the most appropriate because it's so violent. So, yeah. I mean, you're going through the week, you're looking for soft tissue, you know, eyes, you know, throat, things like that. You're, you're not trying to look pretty for the camera. You're trying to kill your opponent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's 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 just what it's for. It's just yep. very you know use the most effective fighting systems that you can. And they also brought in uh, for Quantum Masalis, They started introducing a little bit of um, you know the Kali Eskrima, you know part of it where they got from the Bourne. When you see the Bourne movies, mm. the Jason Bourne films, that's all. You know, oh yeah, you know, that that scene, uh, that scene, you can just you, you might as well if if you can put Matt Damon right there. Every time I see that, yeah. I'm like, I'm definitely watching a heavily influenced born scene. Yeah, um, which yeah. I like. I, I really enjoy that fight scene. It's probably right. one of the best fight scenes in the entire um, series. But it was just the fact that it's been it was done so many times in the previous Bourne movies. It did definitely. You knew that they had brought that team in, or they had just caught, emulated a, basically to a T. Yeah, my my only thing is that they did it better than the Bourne films because you could see it. Yeah. The Bourne films were shot like the opening of Quantum of Solace. You can't see anything. Yeah. And the, the, the my real big disappointment about the Bourne films is they have this beautiful, exquisite choreo- fight choreography. You can't see anything. Yeah. They're, the camera's so close, the cuts are so quick that all of that wonderful choreography is lost but in quantum of solace they were like okay we're gonna do it but we're gonna pull the camera back and we're gonna let the fight play out and mm-hmm. you get to see it so to me, quantum of solace in that sense actually beat out the born films in terms of the fight because we could see what was going yeah. on and, and it was I'm, done see well. when you look at skyfall and you look at that ta- shanghai tower scene and talk about oh, yeah. being able to appreciate the choreography in the this. I, that's one of my favorite scenes in all the series too. Is that Shanghai fight? I think that's beautifully shot. It's so cool to watch the silhouette of the fighting. And that's where we bring it back to kung fu. <laughs> Shanghai, 
it is, and the Shanghai uh, fight scene was choreographed by a guy named Roger Yuan, who was in a lot of uh, Chinese kung fu films. He started doing some Western films as well, uh, doing fight choreography. But he was a he's a kung fu guy, and he trains for Skyfall. He trains Daniel Craig. And he also trains Daniel Craig in Tai Chi. So believe it or not, a lot, some of what you're seeing comes from some Tai Chi influences as well. Now, people don't realize that Tai Chi is a martial art. Tai Chi is not always done slow. Most of Tai Chi is done very fast and explosive movements. Mm-hmm. What, what distinguishes Tai Chi, and there are five different systems of Tai Chi. They all derive from the Chen style. And... What distinguishes it is not that it's slow moving. That's just a that's a one practice, and that's they they reserve it. That's why you see a lot of old people doing it. That's you know I'll, I'll you know that's what I'm right now because I did have a kung fu school for about a decade that got wiped out of because of the COVID pandemic. I lost my space, and so to to now that I'm making my living teaching Tai Chi. Because I learned Tai Chi from the grandmaster of the Fujapai system, he came in and taught us Tai Chi at this at when pretty much about a year after I joined. So I've been doing I've been doing Fujiao for over twenty five years. I've been doing Tai Chi for just one year less. So t- to um, me, is Tai Chi is is more holistic, right? It, it's not only just the the fighting style, the movements. It's a whole encompassing of meditation, mental health, mental centeredness. Being control of your universe is—is is that how I understand Tai Chi as well? In addition to being a fighting style, all of kung, Chinese kung fu is like that. Yeah, all of Chinese. The thing about what okay, so the thing about what distinguishes Chinese kung fu is number one: Chinese kung fu is based on Chinese medicine, and I'm talking about all 400 systems, mm-hmm. including Tai Chi. Half, and when we get into Shaolin systems, and there's a whole lineage of different Shaolin systems, 50%, and I would say even the Wudang system, so yeah, most of Chinese Kung Fu, 50% is based on meditation. Um, so you have Chinese, so you have Chinese medicine and meditation built in to the, to the Chinese systems where you get into what's called uh, Qigong. And Qigong is another practice, an exercise practice where you incorporate the breath. Incorporate the breath into developing your own internal energy. All kung fu is like that. The only difference, this is, let me distinguish with this two things that distinguish Tai Chi. First, Tai Chi, most kung fu is force on force. When the person throws a strike, you strike it. You punch the punch, you kick the punch, you punch the kick, you kick the kick. You, you destroy the weapon and then follow up and destroy the body. Tai Chi, what distinguishes is that you intercept the punch and redirect the energy back into the opponent. You intercept the kick and, re- and sort of redirect it back into the opponent. So you don't strike, you absorb. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So throwing a punch and you absorb that punch and then redirect that punch back into, redirect the energy of that punch back into the opponent. That's what Tai Chi is. That's what distinguishes Tai Chi from other kung fu. Like my tiger claw is brutal. It's it's literally just destroy. You know, just you know, you know, if someone throws a punch, you destroy the punch. You destroy the opponent mm-hmm. immediately. The Tai Chi is you absorb and then redirect, and that and it's a lot more sophisticated, but it's way harder to really master and learn. I'm sure. I mean, I'm to sure. be, yeah. I'm sure it's got to be interesting to just dive into that 
aspect, you yeah. know, because, you know, it's like a Krav Maga and Western or fighting or boxing and all that. It's so much based on just one thing, just go punish, you know, and, yeah. and, yeah. um, yeah. to understand all the other things of it, it would be interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting that in Skyfall is where we get a little, uh, a, a slightly different direction or uh, let's say an evolution of James Bond's fighting styles. And if you think about all the Daniel Craig's, his fighting does evolve. It gets a little more sophisticated and a little more sophisticated, as one would if they were continuing training. So we start off with Krav Maga, very simple, very practical, straightforward. This is all I need. That's all I want to do. Then we get into Quantum of Solace. You get, you get into the Kali, which gets a, a lot more sophisticated with, with, the, with the knife fighting and the blade work and and that, and then we go into Skyfall, and it gets even more sophisticated with the kung fu and the tai chi, where he's he's developing as a martial artist, he's developing as a fighter, and that's where you see it in the. Uh, that's why this the uh, Shanghai uh, tower scene, well, looks great also because of, of, of the photography, but why the fight looks so good too. Mm -hmm. So and, and, I, and, and then Sky and Inspector kind of I don't. The, the train scene, I don't find any sophistication in that one. I think it's a cool scene for cinema. Um, but is there anything about the, the train scene inspector that you say, oh, that's a cool fighting star? Or is it just basically back to... Um, I, yeah, I don't know what happened there because yeah. it's almost like it kind of devolved a little bit where yeah. they wanted to bring it... I think it was a directorial choice where they wanted to sort of reference the brutality of... of uh, From Russia With Love? From Russia With with love so and then you have dave batista who's this just you know brute force of a, of a of a being and i think because of dave batista being there they brought it down to more yeah they wanted to make a more yeah kind of this you look at from russia with love you look at the train fight between jaws and roger moore i guess yeah kind of harken back to that but yeah it did it, it doesn't there was, it was a cool scene, but there was nothing spectacular about the fighting itself. Nothing really stood out. It didn't look like, oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah. And then No Time to yeah. Die again. There's, I don't, I can't remember any scene of a fighting scene that was. The end. There's stuff at the end when he's climbing the stairs. Some some throws, some hip tosses, or something, or. Yeah, there, there, there are some things going on. Yeah, when he's when he's climbing the stairs, there's some good stuff going on there. I I, I really did a pre. To me, that stair climbing scene what to me made the whole if that wasn't in there and i i, I like no time to die. i don't love it i like it mm. i don't love no time to die i thought it was good for for as okay let's if, if you're going to end because daniel craig had a beginning had a very solid this is the beginning yeah they wanted to have a beginning and an end Okay, and I thought, yeah, okay, a satisfying ending. I'm not crazy about. You thought that was a satisfying it. ending, Alex? <laughs> you, uh, I guess I could see what you're saying. I guess good guys don't get the happy endings. I get it, but what? I guess good guys don't get the happy endings, or somebody like that is not going to get the happy ending. I get that point, but, uh, but yeah, that that I, that that scene going up was was very cool. It was it's shot yeah. in. in um, you know, fighting, having close quarters combat with a weapon in your hand is a whole different style yeah. of fighting. It's a whole different, yeah. you know, you're, 
you've got a weapon and at no point your number one objective is to not relinquish that weapon. So, yeah. you know, you can use it as a blunt, create space, but some of the other fighting styles, especially if you're not fighting with a weapon, is close the gap, whereas with you have the weapon, you're trying to create space. So I guess in that point, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, and then, you know, like I said, it's a close quarter uh, space. So what they were doing was a lot of close quarter, you know, fighting styles. I guess going back to the Krav Maga, maybe... Um, I don't know this for a fact, but I know, I think Roger Yuan was working on No Time to Die and, you know, using Wing Chun, you know, which is a close quarter system, which was Bruce Lee's system mm. uh, in that scene. But um, I don't know, I don't know that for a fact, but I have to, I would have to look that up. But from what I saw, it felt that way. It yeah. felt like that. It felt like this is, you know, we're going to quarter fighting and i really appreciated that scene mm. again i'm not i'm not gonna be a strong defender of no time to die yeah you're not gonna have that out of me <laughs> i did like it i didn't love it i liked it and i thought as an ending i didn't really see i saw it as okay i i i understand this ending i get it i can live with it it's not it's not my favorite it wouldn't have been my choice um but I'm not like, ah, I hate this. This I'm not like that at all. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, for sure. I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I accept it and I, I like it. it. Listen, as a movie, again, let's take it in and of itself. As a film, it's a really good movie. Yeah. Take it out of I, Bond. I, I, out if of, I can, if you separate James Bond from it and, you know, kind of what you look what I'm looking for from a James Bond film or what I, why I view them or why I like them so much or why I rewatch them. I, I would argue with that. If it was like, Hey, I would watch that one time and then never forget it. Then I would brain dump it and forget that that movie ever existed again. Uh, yeah, I could say that's a good movie, but you know, f- what I like for the Bond films, I, I just enjoy immerse myself in rewatching it and enjoying that. And the, the books, the films, all the things, the content that people create out of it. That's the part that I like. So for me, that's why no times I miss because it's not rewatchable for me, more than anything. Mm. But <clears throat> yeah, I can see that. I can understand how it wouldn't be rewatchable. I, I can't say that this would be like films like Quantum of Solace, which does not get a high rating. I could watch that a hundred times. Oh yeah, it's super rewatchable. Freaking awesome! Some of all the scenes when you put them together, the action. And it's just nonstop. Mm. Even even Spectre, I can watch a lot because there's a lot of fun stuff in there. Yeah, and, and if you're and if you're not sitting down and just watching, it, if you're putting it on just as just a release to hang out for a little bit, then those then yeah. the movies are great. And then that's the thing is, I yeah. use those so much. I use those films so much for that same reason. Yeah. That No Time to Die just doesn't give me that at all. I, I don't get that same yeah. thing, but. And I think Inspector Daniel Craig is is at his most bondiest, if that's a word. You like said he's Inspector, like really, oh yeah. Because yeah, Inspector really kind of got the swagger and this 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 yeah. he really has it in him. James As opposed Bond. to No Time to Die, which I feel that like he's just he's he's my least. I think he's with the with the exception of Judo Kill. I like that rendition of Bond the least out of all wow. of them. Yep. Wow, are you putting no time to die with view to a kill? The the <laughs> portrayal of Bond. Not I'm not not putting no. The movie's far far better than no view to a kill or, or some of the other ones. I, oh, I put okay. it higher than that. <laughs> but I, I mean that the version the way that Daniel Craig plays Bond to me is is 
is the second worst portrayal I've ever I've seen in all of them. Interesting. Why? Because he's he's whiny. He's too theatrical. He's he's very much trying to be a thespian rather than trying to be Bond. You know what scene bothers me the most is the is him in Blowfield when he moves that hand so much in his gestures. He I feel like I'm watching uh, Knives Out with Daniel Craig and and it just. I don't know. Just I don't know. There's just something about him, and then the whole "I have loved you since I've since the day I met you" or whatever he says, and that you whole thing. Exactly. It's just ugh, ugh, putrid to you me. Saw his acting. Yeah, you yeah. saw his. But you saw his acting. You saw him acting, not being. Yeah. You saw him performing, not in, 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 incorporating the role. Yeah. You saw him. You saw this. You saw the scenes. I saw I saw Daniel Craig who changed his name to James Bond for a little, for two hours, but anyways, yeah. But, yeah as far as fighting though, I will say that the fighting things that I saw with with Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig definitely brought James Bond way up in Casino, Quantum, and Skyfall, and I'll give it Spectre too because I thought the fighting was Spectre again, and No Time to Die, like I said that that last scene and uh, some of the way that he does it, hit the fighting scenes. And though his portrayal definitely brought Bond into the modern area, so I do appreciate all that. Um, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts about the the the, the progression and, and just kind of what I said? You see the from Connery to Craig, the the progression of the martial arts in the Bond franchise. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it goes, it, you know, and then you see this in in most Hollywood films with the introduction of a lot of Asian. Uh, stunt coordinators. I think maybe, I want to say Matrix probably was the first one to really have a big budget mainstream Hollywood movie incorporating actual, you know, of course there's Karate Kid back in the 80s. But um, to really sort of get in there um, and really become a sort of a, a cultural phenomenon instead of just a niche phenomenon like Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Matrix, to me, is when we really incorporate, we start incorporating seeing martial arts as a mainstream way of fighting in Hollywood films. Yeah, rather than the wonky this into actually, hey, this is, this is, this is the only way that this thing looks good anymore. Yeah, and the Matrix brought this guy over, Yin Ping, uh, from from Hong Kong, who was you know one of the biggest, best, greatest fight choreographers in Hong Kong cinema, and of course they brought the best, and they brought him to they, you know he was Jet, he did a lot of Jet Li's movies, and when they brought him to uh, to do Matrix, and again prior to that you had uh, I think there was a Lethal Weapon with Jet Li, you know so it was niche even even with. Um, uh, and James Bond with Tomorrow Never Dies and Michelle Yeoh. It's niche. It's mm-hmm. not... Even... You ever seen the movie Office Space? Yes. <laughs> he goes, do you like Kung Fu? I like Kung Fu movies. Do you want to come over and watch Kung Fu? And Jennifer Aniston goes, <laughs> I love Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great film. Yeah. <laughs> very, it's still very niche, for sure. Yeah, but, it's still very niche. It's like I said, the Matrix is when it becomes mainstream, yeah. and then it starts popping in things like uh, uh, the 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 uh, Charlie's Angels remakes and this film and that film, and it becomes sort of a mainstream. And then Born, and 
then yada, 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 eventually does, you know, a lot of the times Bond follows the trends, doesn't, you know, it used to set the trend mm -hmm. with, with Connery films. And then after the post Connery, it followed the trend. And this is another way of it following the trends. Yeah. You know, it, it comes into the mainstream and then all of a sudden Eon production says, oh, we got to put some of that into Bond now. Yeah. And then that's why you see Daniel Craig actually incorporating martial arts instead of just, you know, uh, the Hollywood's stunt fighting, which is great. You know, again, they were one of the best fight scenes from Russia with love, you know, it's fantastic. Mm. Um, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's amazing. And, but again, it's not, you don't see, and again, when we say martial arts, I guess we're, we're talking about Asian martial arts because that's where you, that's where a lot, a lot of them, you know, incorporated from. And then when you talk about that, the origin of it is it's Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. So you can see that through Daniel Craig. Film, yeah. Especially the first. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you so much, Alex. Uh, thank you so much for taking up an hour of your time again. <laughs> this was a lot of fun as always. Fantastic. Great stuff. Uh, really, uh, really excited for you to come on. I'm sure you'll be a, a guest numerous times down the road. So thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for sharing your insights into martial arts and your in-depth knowledge of, of all things martial arts. So thank you again, Alex. Donnie, thank you so much for, be, for, for having me on again. And thank you so much for all you're doing. This is a, one of my favorite podcasts, Bond or not Bond. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that, buddy. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. And we'll, we'll do this again next time. Take care.